Hello and welcome to the St. Francis Sunday Sermon Podcast for this Palm Sunday. This week we hear the blessing of the palms, all glory, laud, and honor. We hear a reading of the Passion according to Mark, a homily from the Reverend Bob Kostler, and finally we will hear, Will You Not Watch Over Me? Enjoy and have a blessed week, my friends. On this day, he entered the holy city of Jerusalem in triumph and was proclaimed as king of kings by those who spread their garments and branches of palm along his way. Let these branches be for us signs of his victory and grant that we who bear them in his name may ever hail him as our king and follow him in the way that leads to eternal life, who lives and reigns in glory with you and the Holy Spirit now and forever.
were looking for a way to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. For they said, not during the festival, or there may be a riot among the people. While Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very costly ointment of nard, and she broke open the jar and poured the ointment on his head. But some were there who said to one another in anger, Why was this ointment wasted in this way? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and the money given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has performed a good service for me. For you always have the poor with you. And you can show kindness to them whenever you wish. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for its burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray Jesus to them. When they heard it, they were greatly pleased and promised to give him money. So Judas began to look for an opportunity to betray Jesus. On the first day of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed, Jesus' disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and make the preparations for you to eat the Passover? So Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him, and wherever he enters, say to the owner of the house. The teacher asked, Where is my guest room? where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. So the disciples set out and went to the city and found everything as Jesus had told them, and they prepared the Passover meal. When it was evening, Jesus came with the twelve. And when they had taken their places and were eating, Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be distressed and to say to him one after another, Surely not I. Jesus said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the bowl with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that one by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that. That one not to have been born. While they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, and all of them drank from it. He said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out. Truly I tell you, I will never again drink the fruit of the vine, until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. When they had sung to him, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all become deserters, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. 
guards warming himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and the whole council were looking for testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none. For many gave false testimony against him, and their testimonies did not agree. Some stood up and gave false testimony, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. But even on this point, their testimony did not agree. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Have you no answer? What is it that they testify against you? But Jesus was silent and did not answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? Jesus said, I am. And also, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothing and said, Why do we still need witnesses? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? The whole council condemned Jesus as deserving death. Some began to spit on him, to blindfold him, and to strike him, saying to him, Prophesy! The guards also took Jesus over and beat him. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she stared at him and said, You also were with Jesus, the man from Nazareth. But Peter denied it, saying, I do not know or understand what you are talking about. And Peter went out into the forecourt. Then the cock crowed, and the servant girl on seeing him began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again, Peter denied it. Then after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But Peter began to curse, and he swore an oath, I do not know this man you are talking about. At that moment, the cock crowed for the second time. Then Peter remembered that Jesus had said to him, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. And Peter broke down and wept. As soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. They bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Pilate asked him, so, are you king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, You say so. Then the chief priests accused Jesus of many things. Pilate asked him again, Have you no answer? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further reply, so that Pilate was amazed. Now at the festival, Pilate used to release a prisoner for them, anyone for whom they asked. Now a man called Barabbas was in prison with the rebels who had committed murder during the insurrection.
So the crowd came and began to ask Pilate to do for them according to his custom. Then Pilate answered them, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he realized that it was out of jealousy that the chief priests had handed Jesus over. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd and had Pilate release Barabbas for them instead. Pilate spoke to them again. Then what do you wish me to do with the man you call the king of the Jews? The crowd shouted back, Crucify him! Pilate asked them, Why? What evil has he done? They shouted all the more, Crucify him! So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released Barabbas for them. And after flogging Jesus, Pilate handed him over to be crucified. Then the soldiers led Jesus into the courtyard of the palace, and they called together the whole cohort. And they clothed Jesus in a purple cloak, and after twisting some thorns into a crown, they put it on his head. And they began saluting him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! They struck his head with a reed, they spat upon him, and knelt down in homage to him. After mocking him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothing on him. And then they led him out to crucify him. The soldiers compelled a passerby who was coming in from the country to carry Jesus' cross. It was Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus. Then the soldiers brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And the soldiers crucified Jesus and divided his clothing among them, casting lots to decide what each should take. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified Jesus. The inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with Jesus, they crucified two bandits, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by derided Jesus, shaking their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests, along with the scribes, were also mocking Jesus among themselves and saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from the cross now, so that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with Jesus also taunted him. When it was noon, Darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. At three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, Listen, he is calling for Elijah. And someone ran, filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a stick, and gave it to Jesus to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come 
take him down. Then Jesus gave a loud cry and breathed his last. Both those who went ahead and those who followed kept shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. And so it starts, a week of weeks that supersedes all the weeks of the church year. Palm Sunday is so essential to our understanding of who we are as Christians that it has two gospel readings and a liturgy in three parts, rather than the standard two. We celebrate the liturgy of the palms and Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and then move to the liturgy of the Word, and then to the liturgy of the Eucharist. This first gospel reading, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, should startle us. The actions beg the question, what was Jesus doing? It is not as if the crowd decided to lift Jesus on a colt and process into the city. Jesus plans his entrance, and no detail is left to chance. Once the colt appears, Jesus joins the pilgrims headed to Jerusalem, and they chant, praising Jesus. Their hosannas, however, do more than proclaim Jesus. They add, blessed is the kingdom of our father David. These pilgrims, outsiders, if you will, hint at Jesus' royal heritage, his messiahship, alluding to the prophecy of Zechariah. Unlike Matthew and John, Jesus, Mark's retelling of Jesus' entry does not directly allude to the prophecy of Zechariah, but through Jesus' actions and the response of the pilgrims walking with him, we witness this prophecy unfold. His entry matches Zechariah's, Lo, your king comes. The riding on a colt matches Zechariah's, Riding on an ass, even upon a colt. The pilgrims' jubilant shouts are similar to Zechariah's, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. 
The modern listener cannot fully grasp what is happening, the symbolism and why it was so momentous, without a more in-depth explanation. You just listened to Zechariah's prophecy. The people of Jesus' time would know this prophecy and other stories about kings riding on asses. In brief, kings rode horses into battle, but asses when they came in peace. These animals were not the butt of jokes, as they are today. They were noble beasts held in high regard. G.K. Chesterton reflects on the plight of the modern donkey in his poem entitled, The Donkey. He writes, When fishes flew and forests walked, and figs grew upon thorn, some moment when the moon was blood, then surely I was born. With monstrous head and sickening cry, and ears like errant wings, the devil's walking parody on all four-footed things. The tattered outlaw of the earth, of ancient crooked will, starve, scourge, deride me, I am dumb. I keep my secret still. Fools, for I had my hour, one far fierce hour and sweet. There was a shout about my ears, and palms before my feet. Jesus riding on a colt is reminiscent of how Simon Maccabeus entered Jerusalem 150 years before, after destroying Israel's enemies in battle. In 1 Maccabees, we have, and he entered into it 23, on the 23rd day of the seventh month, in the 171st year, with thanksgiving and branches of palm trees, and with harps and cymbals and viols and hymns and psalms, because there was destroyed the great enemy out of Israel. Jesus' dramatic entry into Jerusalem begins Holy Week. Riding on a colt hints at his royal messianic identity, and this identity later arouses the fear and anger of the Jewish hierarchy and leads to his crucifixion by the Romans as king of the Jews. Holy Week is full of contrasts. Jesus enters the city to shouts of joy and adulation and then departs with cries of ridicule and hatred. The reason we read this entry story is because it sets the stage for the unfolding clash between Jesus and the Jewish leadership. I find it curious that he enters the temple grounds and looks around at everything. Mark, in his typical fashion, remains silent, revealing nothing of Jesus' thoughts. All we can surmise is that Mark is hinting that Jesus fully assessed the state of Jerusalem's religious condition and did not like what he saw. One writer summarized the Liturgy of the Palms and the First Gospel narrative this way. The Gospels never tell us quite how the sufferings of Jesus reverse completely his fortunes and ours, only that they do. The Philippians hymn provides an answer. 
Jesus was not spurred by selfish or conceit in anything he did. In humility, he counted everyone better than himself in the sense that they were worth dying for. He knew that God would make it right somehow. That is what he always taught, and he lived by what he taught up until the end. A homily on Hosanna's sounding in the ears of Jesus. This Jesus who trusted God completely on the brink of his dissolution might be the most pow powerful parable out of life that could be shared this day. And isn't that the message of Holy Week? At the time of greatest peril, of tragedy or death, we have the image of Jesus entering Jerusalem with shouts of praise ringing in his ears, not knowing how the week would unfold, trusting that God would stand by him. We are on our own journeys. How it turns out remains still to be told. Our faith tells us to trust, to trust completely in God. Holy Week serves as a reminder reinforcing our need to trust in God's infinite love, a love so great that God sent Jesus to walk among us, proclaiming the good news that God's kingdom is at hand. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.